Today I want to talk to you for the next little bit, uh, which means absolutely nothing when I say little bit. It might be 30 minutes and it might be. Let's put it this way. We'll be out before three. Um, about, about obviously the coming, the coming year, which is also a coming decade. 2020, I've, you've, you've all, I'm sure, read the Facebook prophets talking about 2020 vision as if, you know, God dropped that deep revelation into their soul that 2020 means perfect vision. And maybe, they, maybe he did. Actually, 2019 is better vision than 2020. But um, maybe there is something to um, there being perfected vision and a clarity vision for 2020. But, you know, the thing that I found out about God is he's not bound to time. He's certainly not bound to the Gregorian calendar, uh, which we are. If anything, he would probably be more apt to follow, if he were going to follow a calendar, the Jewish calendar. And yet he doesn't follow the calendar. The calendars follow him. Um, but... I think that we can take and use anything as a motivation to get back on track ourselves. Uh, all you guys back there on the back that are talking, come have a seat after shock. Thank you. Jacob, Abby, Isaac, you guys will come and have a seat. And the rest of you, hopefully you'll listen, but I won't force you to right now. I may ask you uh, tonight what I actually talked about today, so you're going to have to pay attention today. See, just like that. It's not hard. Just like that. Nobody's in trouble, and I'm not upset with anybody. If you, your parents want you to sit up in the balcony, that's fine. I, but my kids are not going to do that, and Tana's not going to do that. Because they'll sit up there and play on their phones and not hear a thing that was said. Uh, but once again, we've come to the close of another year and another decade. Um, I think God can use numbers and give meaning through numbers. I want to be clear. But I also know that God is not bound to our calendar. And I also know that if nothing changes, then nothing changes. It seems like uh, maybe just the mood or the atmosphere is, is probably just exha exhaustion <laughs> because of the 1900 uh, Christmases and birthday stuff that everybody had to go to. But, but just engage with me for the next 30 or 45 minutes because I believe that the word that God has uh, for today can and will bring change to your life if you allow it to. It's like anything. It's like any seed. If you receive the seed and you cultivate the seed, cultivate the ground to receive the seed, then you're going to get a harvest. If you don't, it doesn't matter. Even Jesus, who was an indiscriminate sower, tells the parable of the, of the, of the farmer. He, he, sowed, he, he threw seed to everybody. Barren ground, dry ground, cracked ground. But only the good ground that received the seed ever produced anything. And so if you're willing to cultivate yourself right now and prepare yourself to listen and receive a seed, you will receive a harvest. If not, if you'll see others that do and you won't because your ground was not prepared. Actually, did you know that the Judah, uh, there's, a, there's an old, Judah, Judah means praise, and Judah was a plowman, which is to say when we praise, in praise, that's actually what's happening is we're trying to plow up some fallow ground so that when the word comes, our hearts and souls are able to receive the seed of God's word. But it, it, it doesn't matter how great the seed is, the seed is only as good as the ground that, that's going to receive it. So if the ground is not ready, the seed can be dropped, but it'll do no good. And that's why we spend so much time trying to cultivate an atmosphere during praise and worship. It's not because we think it sounds good or there's some sort of emotional release. Although all that hopefully is the case, the central focus is to pour oil on his head, but also to cultivate the ground so that the seed, when it comes forth, goes into good soil because good seed sown into good soil always produces good fruit. As long as it's watered and gets some sunlight. And the sunlight to me speaks of the revelation of God's word and water speaks of the spirit. So if you immerse yourself in his spirit and in his word, whatever seed is sown is going to bring forth some fruit. 
So you're not bound to listen. You're not bound to, to open your hearts, but it sure, would, sure, sure wouldn't hurt. You're going to be here for 45 minutes or so anyways. I, I think that if nothing changes, nothing changes. 2020, I do believe. Now listen to me. I'm going to speak prophetically for a little bit. And I want you to hear because anytime that you come into a new season, a new day, especially a new year or even a new decade, I believe that it is vitally important that you make a declaration into where you're about to walk. If you make a declaration into where you're about to walk, then your feet will follow your vision. Nobody walks consistently like this. Your feet follow what you're looking at. And so if you see and declare what's ahead of you, your feet will follow vision. If you give yourself vision, that's where you're going to walk. If you stand back in 2019 and say, well, 2020 will just be another year. and, and this Well, then that's what's going to happen. But if you say, I refuse to allow 2020 to come and me not take a hold of every opportunity God has for me. I'm going to walk in health. I'm going to walk in prosperity. I'm going to walk in restored relationships. I'm going to walk in reconciliation. I'm going to walk in health. If you begin to make that declaration now, your feet will follow what you're eyes look at and so I do believe that it's vitally important that you make declaration into the coming year I believe that there's an opportunity for new vision for new business for new relationship new and better health and new spiritual dimensions full of God-given opportunity there's an old saying that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity I believe that 2020 is going to offer for any of us the opportunity of a lifetime but if we don't have keen vision to see it when it comes, it'll pass us by. It's, I'm not saying this to make you afraid. I'm saying this to make you aware that God has absolutely packed 2020 with blessing, with abundance, with provision, and it's there. But you're going to have to have an eye to see it. You're going to have to have an ear to hear because how can you believe except you hear? And how can you hear except the preacher preaches or except they be sent? So my job today is to try to open up your heart and maybe help to expand your vision to say, wait a minute, 2020 is not just a catchphrase for having good vision. 2020 is jam-packed with heavenly possibility if I will do one thing, and here's the one thing, if I will cultivate an atmosphere of expectation. No matter what 2020 holds, if we're not positioned as heavenly conduits, in other words, if we don't align ourselves with his purposes, 2020 will be just another missed opportunity. I, 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 spoke, I was actually at the hospital to see my brother-in-law, and I was, I was talking to his parents, and they were sitting there and talking about we were, you know, some of the things they were praying. And I said, you know, more and more, I, I'm, I'm convinced that more and more prayer is really not about trying to get God to do what we want him to do. I, I do believe you should ask God. Jesus clearly says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall open. So I'm not saying not to ask, but I'm believing more and more that prayer is not about asking God to do stuff, but prayer is more about aligning our spirits and our souls with the reality of what God wants in the heavens so that we can be the conduit by which that comes. Does that make sense? I heard, I heard an illustration years and years ago, and I'll share it real quickly. Um, it was, uh, the preacher's name was Mark Hamby. He was a wonderful preacher, uh, especially in the 90s. Some of the stuff that he released was very cutting edge. And I don't know what he's doing today. I know that he's still preaching. He's got a thing called Father's Heart Ministry. I know that there was some transition he went through. But, but you know, I've learned uh, with everybody, and I hope you will do this with me, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. There may be some good or bad things that happen, but God can release revelation through any vessel he wants to. My goodness, he, if he, he talked through a donkey, and I would call it a different word, but that wouldn't be nice in the Old Testament. If he can use a, a, a donkey, I'm sure he can use a preacher like me 
And he said he went to his church. Um, uh, they bought a church in Texas, and when they bought the church, they didn't really do much in terms of, uh, of, of preparing for heavy major rain because this place in Texas where he was, they didn't see a whole lot of rain, and they certainly didn't see a whole lot of flooding. And so they, instead of building a pitched roof, they just had flat roofs, which was very common. And then they, you know, they have the little sidewalls, three or four foot up above, um, kind of like the hotels, you know, that are built today, three or four, but, but no drainage. And he said he, uh, there was, um, in one week, there was such massive flooding that a church across town, it, 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 like lost, people were dying. There was something like 27 deaths in the church based on the flooding. And he said he showed up to, to his church office one morning, and, when he did, and, and the rain had, had subsided, but when he, when he pulled up, there were lights flashing and, and fire trucks and all, the, all these emergency vehicles at his church, big, huge, several thousand member church. And he said he walked out, and, uh, and the fire marshal walked to him and, and said, is this your church? And he said he looked at him and said, well, I don't know. What, what's going on? <laughs> you know, I don't want to admit anything just yet. And he said, you've got, you've got thousands of gallons of water standing on top of that roof, and it's going to collapse. And he said, okay, well, what are you going to do? He said, I have a plan. He said, we have a plan. What we're going to do is we're going to go inside the church. We're going to knock holes out in the side, of, uh, the side of, that, of that wall, you know, on top that's holding all this water. He, uh, in fact, he said his maintenance guy was up there. This reminds me of something that, that me or Jeremy had tried to do with a five-gallon bucket, dumping buckets of water over top of his roof, pouring it off on the side. And he said, by the time he gets, by the time he gets done with that, um, the church is going to fall through. He's going to fall through and break his neck and die. This ain't going to work. Well, what are you going to do? They said, so they, they knock out holes in the side of the building. And they took these big PVC pipes and essentially created downspouts. And they shot them out the side of the church. Um, before they did any of that, they took these big barrels and they placed them in the tar inside the top of the, uh, the, top of the building. And the other side of the pipe was inside of uh, those barrels so that... It wouldn't be until they released the barrels that the water would flow. Does that make sense? So they put barrels in the, the top, dip the water out. So inside the barrels, all around it's water, but inside it's dry. And that's where, the, that's where the pipe stopped. And then when they picked those barrels up, boom, water began to shoot. He said it would shoot 30 feet outside of the building. And he said as he stood there watching, everything that was stored up on top of that roof, the water began to flow down. He said the Lord spoke to him and says, Mark, did the downspouts work? What would you say? Of course, that's what we'd all say. And he said, to which the Lord replied, Mark, I ask you, did the downspouts work? And again, he replied, yes. For a third time, the Lord speaks to his heart. Mark, did the downspouts work? He said, so I thought I'd give a different approach. He said, no. And the Lord said, listen to me. They functioned, but they did not labor. The, the, the downspouts functioned. They just simply aligned themselves and did what they were trying to do without having to work something up. And I believe that in 2020, and I, what I was talking about was prayer, if we align ourselves properly, it's not going to be something we have to work and work and work to get God to do. We're simply going to function and allow the glory that's been hidden and held above to flow into our reality. I, I believe that 2020 is full of, of, of heavenly manifestations. I really believe that. Full of heavenly manifestations. But if we're not aligned properly, we can go by 2020 and miss it and then try to come up with some catchy, cliche-ish, uh, rhymey phrase for 2021. You know, let it be done in 2021. I can hear it now. It's all about me and you in 2022. My kids, my wife, and me in 2023. My four and no more in 2024. Watch out for the beehive in 2025. I mean, my God, whatever. Whatever. 
But no matter what 2020 holds, if you're not positioned as heavenly conduits, you don't align yourselves with his purpose, it's going to be just another missed opportunity. There's no divine magic waiting to be released in 2020. But there are divine appointments scheduled for the coming year. Listen to me if you believe I'm speaking prophetically. There will be the possibility of the abundance of flowing oil, just as there always is. There will be opportunities to seize upon in the coming year. Now is a great time to begin expecting. Thank you. Whoever clapped. God bless you. Now, right now, would be the perfect time to begin expecting. The difference between waiting and expecting is waiting produces nothing. Expect, an expectant mother always produces a baby. You want to see a birthing, you, you can't just wait. You better be expecting. Cultivating a spirit of expectancy will always produce the miraculous. I'll say it again. You've heard me say it before. Cultivating an atmosphere or a spirit of ex expectation will always produce the miraculous. If you sit around waiting and expecting, and, and I, I've, I've set my heart, the woman with the issue of blood, she fully expected that when she got to Jesus' robe, she was going to be made whole because she said within herself, if I can but just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. She, the reason she was healed, Jesus did not touch her. Listen to this. Jesus did not touch her. In fact, she was not even in his GPS. He was going to Jairus' house because Jairus had worshipped, had a daughter who was 12 years old and dying. And he worshipped and he said, Jesus, if you don't do something about a girl, she's going to die. So Jesus didn't even punch in woman with the issue of blood in his GPS. He's on his way to Jairus' house. But she said within herself, I'm not waiting for Jesus to touch me, but if I can go and touch him. I expect, I fully expect, you may feel like you're not even on God's GPS, but forget about that. Maybe if we'd begin expecting and realize that the seedbed of the miraculous is the atmosphere of expectation, then maybe things will begin to happen. She wasn't waiting for Jesus. He wasn't on his way to her house. And yet, without touching her, she was made whole. Why? Because the virtue of God is always released where there's a spirit of expectation. The virtue of God. Jesus, they, Jesus said, who touched me? And Peter said, are you kidding me? There are thousands and thousands, Master, about us. The, the crowds thronged you, is the way the King James Version says it. How, what do you mean, who touched you? He said, I perceive that the virtue is gone out of me. Not that I gave virtue, but she grabbed virtue. Because the virtue of God will always go where there's a, a spirit of expectation. The fruit of the garden of God is ripe and ready for those who have taken the time to cultivate the atmosphere of expectation. Cultivating a spirit of expectancy always produces the miraculous. Expectancy. No woman has ever given birth who was not expecting. If you want to see the abundance of oil flowing in 2020, begin now to prepare and start cultivating an expectant attitude. Now, 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings 4. I'm going to read first from the New American Standard. 2 Kings 4. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor has come to take two of my children to be his slaves. My God, can you imagine? I'm glad we don't live where they can come take your kids if you owe a debt, if you owe a debt collector. We could pay a whole lot of debt. We got six kids. A lot of debt we could pay. Which two would we get rid of? Did you think of the same two I did? 
Elisha said to her, woman, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Now listen to me, don't miss this. 2020 is not going to be about, uh, it's not going to be, a, let me just get to my word and I'll, I'll tell you this in a minute. Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. I don't have anything. How many of us can identify with this woman? I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of anything. In fact, simply all I have is, is my worship. Simply all I have is my jar of oil. A simple jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels, and don't get a few. And you shall go into the door or go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you set aside what is full. Jacob and Jake can go in that room and bring me a bunch of bowls and jugs and whatever you can find and do it quickly. And don't bring a few. Gather not a few. No. You shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they were bringing the vessels to her and as they brought the vessels she poured. And when the vessels were all full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one more vessel. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, now go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Provision for this woman came as a result of her actions. She heard the prophetic word. And she did what she was told to do. Now, let's see. First, she, first thing she did was she asked. I'm going to give you a couple of, I, I believe that we've got to come to a place where you can have practical, pragmatic steps to understand what, how can I get from here to there. Okay, I hear what you're saying about creating a, an atmosphere of expectation. I see where I want to go. I know where I am. How do I get there? I'm going to tell you this morning, so you might want to write these down. The first thing she did was she asked Upon her husband's death, and seeing her only two sons would be taken as slaves, as a result of their father's death, she asked the prophet and received the prophetic word. What did she read? Second, she asked and received prophetic word. Just place them down there real quick. That's fine. That's fine. Just put them down. After she received the prophetic word, what did she do? She obeyed it. It may seem crazy to her neighbors that she was borrowing jugs from all of them, but the spirit of expectation will drive you to do whatever it takes to receive the promise. It may seem crazy to your neighbors when you start borrowing jugs, but the spirit of expectation will drive you to do whatever it takes to receive the promise. And don't borrow a few. To somebody, I'm not talking to everybody this morning, but I'm talking to somebody saying, when you go borrow some jugs, don't borrow a few. Because the oil is going to fill every jug that you borrow. Big dreams are birthed from huge expectation. What kind of expectation? Huge. Huge. It's huge. It's big. It's probably the biggest expectation ever. Huge. (laughs) 
God is bigger than you, and he's bigger than you can imagine, and he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. What is the power that works in us? The spirit of expectation, and we become empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 3.20. Paul now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above, not more, not just more, but above. That means from a different dimension. Above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that works in us. We love, to say, um, we love to say the first part, but we always skip the according to. The according to the power that works in us, but whatever power works in you is the measure of which a blessing you're going to receive. If you have no expectation, you ain't getting no baby. If there's no power at work inside of you, you can forget it because there'll be no exceedingly abundantly above. It's true. I want to read this. Uh, that same scripture in the Passion Translation says this, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. Somebody, that was a good place to say amen. For miraculous power constantly energizes you. Ask big, expect big. Ask big, expect big. And then I'll say ask big, expect big, and receive big. God, he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of all the earth. The Bible says according to Psalms, I think it's 24, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. If he has it all, why in the world do we think that it makes us holy to live as though we have nothing? My father's king, but it makes me look cool. You know what that is? That's false humility. And false humility will never allow you to walk into your destiny as sons and daughters of the king. We're called to be kings and priests. That's New Testament. The Bible calls us a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, to be sure. After borrowing all the jugs that she could, the next thing the prophet said was, listen to me, go into your house and shut the door. I find it striking, striking that she had to close the door, but when you receive a prophetic word, especially one that has impossibility attached to it, the voices and the naysayers are going to come, and they're going to try to discourage you. They will always come. And if you leave the door open, the voices of no will resound louder than the small, steel voice that says, oh, yes. But if you close that door and say, I refuse to hear any other voice except the voice that said, fill this jar with oil. If she'd have left her door open instead of taking time to pour her oil, she would have been wasting time explaining what she was doing to everybody that didn't believe. And you don't have to worry about the people that don't believe because they can't stop what you're doing unless you give ear to their voice. The best thing a lot of us can do to 2020 is to slam the door in the faces of a whole lot of naysayers and say, look, you do you. I got some oil to tend to. God, you do you. I got some oil to tend to. God loves you, and he loves you where you are. But, I'm t but what God's got for me is way too important for me to waste time listening to you tell me why I can't. So you go do you. I'm going to do me. I've got, I'm too busy. I've got some oil, oil to pour. And when they come knocking, just ignore the door. Just ignore it. Before long, look, if before long, they're going to get the message. They ain't letting me in. That if you open the door, I can promise you, if she had opened the door, the moment she opened the, that door to the other voices, the oil would have stopped. You need to be so focused 
and in such an atmosphere of expectation that it don't matter what the voices outside say, you can't hear them because you're too tuned in to the frequency of heaven saying, gather some more jugs, pour the oil, pour the oil, pour the oil. 2020, you need to start shutting some doors. You want God to open an effectual door for you, you're going to have to shut some too. And some of them might be your closest, the voices of your closest friends and family. But what do you want more? Their opinion or God's word? Because if you can't have them both. I'm not saying be mean to anybody. But you know, there does come a time when you're going to have to drive some things out the temple. You know what I mean? Even Jesus did that. That's not what this is for. This is a holy thing. This, this is about me. This is about my future. This is about my children. This is about my offspring. My, 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 the generations that follow me will be marked by whether I pour oil or listen to the naysayers. So you go do you. I'm done with that. I'm going to pour some oil. In 2020, I'm going to borrow every jug I can borrow. I'm going to create and, 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 and create and cultivate an atmosphere of expectation because I'm going to see birthing in 2020. Sidney Smith taught us years ago, when the voice of the enemy comes, our job was to say no. And if we, if we learn to say no to the voice of corruption and receive the voice of incorruption, we will pass from death unto life. You've got to learn to say it. Well, if it. It might be the voice of temptation. And the temptation may not be to a drug. It may be. The temptation may be to believe less than what you really hope God wants you, is going to do through you. The biggest temptation that, that we face is, is, believing, is not believing the best that God has for us. Look, God's got great plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to do good, to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah, he has plans for you. But you can't wait. You, you're going to waste time listening to everybody outside the door's plans. You'll never see his plans. But if you'll shut the door, I love you, but I'm going to have to love you from a distance because you, you, you are, you are bothering the flow of my oil. Shut the door so that you can maintain peace. Shut the door so you can walk into your promise. I am giving you permission today to shut the door to anything that would hinder and potentially steal your promise. In 2020, your biggest breakthrough will come if you learn to shut the door. Finally, after she asked, <clears throat> heard the word from the prophet, borrowed the jugs, went into her own place, her own secret place and closed the door, finally, she began to fill every jug with oil, one at a time. In the Bible, the oil represents anointing. We know that. Oil was used as a commodity of trade or personal income and for various kinds of common daily consumption. It was a part of the bread diet in the tabernacle, grain offerings. It was used as fuel for lamps in the tabernacle or even in homes. It was used as lubricant for one's hair. Jacob and Isaac would love to have some oil back in the day so they could... It was used for skin. It was sometimes used as a special sense of honor. Like an, uh, it was used as an aroma, as a medication in healing context for royal and religious ritual procedures in figurative expressions. It, it represented fertility and prosperity such as the oil of joy. The abundance of oil is married to the spirit of expectation. Now that's what I said when he told me that. I wrote it down. The abundance of oil is married to the spirit of expectation. The oil would flow for as long as it takes to fill every single jar the woman had borrowed. Oil always flows into empty vessels. 
And the oil will flow into every empty place in your life if you'll let him. Let the oil of God flow into the empty places of your life. Even the ones that you don't talk about. Especially the ones that you don't talk about. Some of you need to simply ask. Hear the prophetic word. And then go into your secret place alone with God. And wait for the oil to flow. 2020 will allow or will flow with all the oil you will ever need or want, but you must prepare now. I would spend the next few days collecting jars. Lord, let my family be filled with the oil. Let my health be filled with the oil. Let my financial outlook be filled with your oil. Let my relationships be filled with your oil. I come into 2020 not with just wants and not just hoping, but I commit myself to cultivating the spirit of expectation to the collecting of jars so that 2020 is full of the flowing of oil. That's where you are. That's where we are right now. That's the end of my notes. Seven pages. I got through it quick. What'd you miss? The spirit of expectation. Mm-hmm. Or what are you expecting? Here's what happens often is we hope for things, and then when they don't happen, the Bible says hope, def- hope deferred makes a heart sick. It means you hope and it doesn't happen. You hope again and it doesn't happen. And what happens before long is we give up hoping because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when you become heart sick, your focus is on what made you sick instead of the one that can mend the broken heart. And so what happens after a while is because we hoped and because we believed and the manifestation didn't come, then we lessen our theology to match our experience instead of letting God be God and our experience catch up to who he is. How many of you in here have ever prayed for, for something, whether it was, pray, for instance, pray for someone to be healed from sickness or whatever, and it happened? Let me see. Like, you know God heard you. How many of you have ever done the same thing and you feel like God didn't hear you because it didn't happen? Right, right. Who's in charge of that? God's in charge of it. That's right. God's in charge of it. We're in charge to be obedient to what he says, but there's, we have absolutely zero power aside from the Holy Spirit to make anything happen. So here's what we do. We leave it to mystery. We say, okay, Father, I'm going to do what you told me to do, and I'm going to believe for what you said, and I believe for the manifestation, but I refuse to say that you're less than good because the manifestation I expected didn't come. What that'll do, it'll kill, it'll kill the seedbed. It'll, it'll, it'll kill the expectation that you have. So what? look at one Bethel Church that just had to bury little Olive. Oh, my God. I mean, people around the world prayed and believed that God was going to bring this little two- or three-year-old girl back from there. And it didn't happen, not in this realm. What do you think they're doing? Or you think they're crying today saying, well, God was unfaithful? No, they probably sang like we did. All my life, God's been faithful. All my life, he's been so good. As long as I'm able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. He, we have to settle once and for all. He's good and he's always good. We cannot create a God in our image. That's what Mark Twain said years ago. He said, God made man in his image and in, in return, man, or man returned the favor. That's what we do. We make God in our image. So we think that God is, can become mean and vindictive or whatever. And we create this image of God that's not him at all. He's always only good. He's always Father. He's always full of love. He's always full of mercy. The Bible says that his mercies are everlasting. He is. I shouldn't have to hit this so hard. 
This should be, this should be, this should be, uh, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was the perfect expression. I'm trying to think of the King James calls him the, the, the perfect image of the heavenly God. Jesus is what God always wanted to say about himself. You've heard me say that. Jesus went about doing what? Tell me. If Jesus did that, he did not do that out of his personal nature. He did it because it was the nature of the Father. If Jesus went about doing good and healing all, then the nature of the Father is to go about doing good and healing all. Jesus did not heal them out of, out of just a special anointing. He was anointed because the heart of the Father was to go about doing good and healing all. He had been so misrepresented for the, for the last several thousand years. He's like, I'm just going to come visit him myself. That's what I preached last week, Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to go show them what I'm actually like. Not a piece of what I'm like. I'm going to show them exactly what I look like. Jesus said, I never do anything except I see the Father first do it. I would challenge you right here, but it would probably make some of you mad. Picture Jesus. Picture Jesus who is only doing what he saw the Father do in the upper room when he girds himself with a towel and washes dirt off of his disciples' feet. Maybe the heart of the Father has always been servanthood. We know that we serve Him. I'm not lessening Him from His deity, but that's His heart. His heart is to wash away all the dirt that mammon and that mankind has put on us for years and years and millennia and say, no, 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 that's not what you are. That's not who I am. I'm always good. What I want you to do is see my goodness because if you see my goodness, then you'll see it flowing in the land of living. And if you see me as I really am, then the expectation that you have You'll see manifestation. Remember when the Bible says that God will give us the desires of our heart? I think less and less, actually the Lord showed me this years ago, it's been said multiple times and it's not original to me, it's original to the Holy Spirit. But I don't think that necessarily means He's going to give us the things that we desire so much as He will give us the things to desire. And the things that God puts in your heart to desire, then He's obligated to finish whatever He started. God never told Abraham to take Hagar into a tent, but he did. He never said, take, take your, the handmaiden of your wife, go into the tent, have a baby, but he did. And that baby's name was Ishmael. And God ultimately had mercy and said, I'll make a great nation of him too. But when he was looking for sacrifice, he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Why? Because God had no obligation whatsoever to bless what he did not originate. So here's what we do. We ask, okay, Father, there's a whole lot of stuff that I'm hoping to see that I believe for. Whatever, whatever your blanks are, you fill them in because we don't have time for me to fill them in for you. You're hearing a prophetic word right now. You may not even like the vessel, and that's perfectly fine. The vessel might not like you either. That was a joke. I had to say it. You don't have to like the vessel. It don't matter if you like the vessel. I mean, Elisha was not a nice person. A couple of kids made fun of him one time and, and some she-bears came out of the woods and ate 40 kids. Huh? 42, you hear that back there? You hear that growling in that room? You better watch yourself. They made fun of him because of his bald head. There's a whole lot of symbolism in that. I'll just leave it alone. But hear the prophetic word. I'm telling you. Here's your word. The atmosphere of expectation is the seedbed for the miraculous. What if today 
we, we forgot everything that didn't happen that we hoped were, was going to happen. And leave it where, where it is in the past. Leave it in the tomb of time. And have expectation in the womb of time and say, okay. I mean, that's what God does. It's crazy. God always takes uh, tombs and makes wombs out of them. Remember Elizabeth, who was barren and couldn't have a baby? Her, her, her womb was basically a tomb, and yet God put John inside of her. Remember the tomb that Jesus was buried in? It essentially became a womb because the Bible calls him the firstborn from among the dead. So let the dead things bury their dead. Forget about what God has not done for you and begin to cultivate an atmosphere of expectation. I expect these things. I, I expect to see my family restored. I expect to see my health restored. I expect to see my financial outlook to begin to take. I expect my business to take off. I, expect, I mean, why, how could you not expect that? If you're walking hand in hand with the one who took his hand and, and flung stars into space and the one that said, let there be light and everything. You know God only said, let there be light. Only had to say it one time and the sun has come up every Every single day since the first time that he said it. If you're walking hand in hand with that one, how could you not be full of expectation? That's why we don't. That's why. I really think that the key, the crux, the pinnacle of everything that this woman w did, it wasn't just hearing the prophetic word. It wasn't just, it, 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 it wasn't just collecting jugs. It was shutting the door. Negativity, you stay outside that door. Broken promises, you stay outside that door. Voice of the naysayer, say, I mean, you're going to have to sh slam the door. Would to, God you'd, would to God in your heart today, you'd say, I refuse from this day forward to allow any negative voice. It don't matter who the vessel is because every voice is empowered or energized by the, either the son of God or the son of perdition. You better hear me. Every voice that speaks to you is energized by one of two, either the Son of God or the Son of Perdition. The Son of God will always say, you can do it, you can do exceedingly above, that you can do all things through Christ. The Son of Perdition will say, if you are really the Son of God. Adam and Jesus, only two voices talking, even today. And if you learn to, to shut the door on Adam, then you hear the voice of the, of the last Adam saying, hey, walk with me in life. Walk with me in abundance. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And the reason you don't is because for some reason you think that you can invite the other voice and walk on the other side of you. You're going to have to let go of his hand, shut the door on him, and walk with me. Walk with me. Let me tell you. Walk with me and learn with me. And the, the King James says, um, um, cast, your, cast your cares upon me. Uh, no, 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 what's the, um, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The, the, the message Bible says it this way. It says, learn of, learn, learn of me and walk with me, and I will show you the unforced rhythms of grace. Are you tired, worn out, weary with religion? How many people are tired of the, of the old same religious system, the old religious mess? How many people would like to see some manifestation? Two people. Wow, that's wonderful. Two people would like to see manifestation. Well, I hope you two get it. Cultivate a spirit of expectation. God is my father. Which is to say, he's a, he's a procreator. He's a creator, a procreator. He's looking to, to have me join him in procreation. So what can he birth through me if I surrender myself to him and cultivate an atmosphere of expectation? 
What would, what would Father want to impregnate me with? What would the Father want to put inside of me for me to carry full term and give birth to? A whole lot? Cultivate an atmosphere, an atmosphere of expectation. For God's sake, close the door. Begin to fill those jugs. Fill the jar. Health. Prosperity. Restored relationships. That's a big one. I keep hitting that one. Restored marriages. Restored hope. Restored vigor. Vitality. Uh, energy. How many people would like to have some energy restored? God can do that too. You name it. And then go into your secret place. Shut the door after you've borrowed every jug you can borrow and start pour, pouring oil in it. I declare that in 2020, my health is going to turn for the good because I will live and not die and I will declare the wonderful works of God. I speak into my finances. I pour the oil of the Holy Spirit, the oil of your anointing into my finances and say, a little is a lot when it's blessed by my pop. If, if you're going to, I'm going to sow seed. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to sow seed and I'm going to reap a harvest from sowing the seed. And when I get the harvest, I ain't going to eat it all. I'm going to put some back for seed, but I'm going to eat some of it. Father, for my relationships, I'm going to sow oil right now. Some of the oil that I sow is weeping in prayer. Some of it is saying a nice word. Some of it is learning to shut up when I, when I really want to say something mean. Some of pouring the oil in is not putting on faith. I tell you what, as for me and Josh Bunn, I have deleted way more on Facebook than I ever put on it. It's the truth. You ever get that little, that religious thing that says, I'm going to show them. And the Holy Spirit says, you can't do that. Oh, God, are you kidding me? I've deleted a lot more than I put on there. I pour oil. I pour oil right now, Father, into my children's health and my children's future. I pour oil into it right now, Lord. I declare that my sons and daughters will be prophets, will be priests, will be kings, and, and not, not have to go through the same struggles. I'm willing to go through these struggles, but I refuse to allow them, whether they're one or 100, to go through the struggles I'm going through. I'm going to pour oil into their lives. I'm going to smear that oil upon their heads. They are anointed. They're called for a purpose. I birthed them because you expected them to do something. You have good plans for them, so I pour the oil of... I pour this oil into my marriage. Because it's only my marriage. And I shut the door on any other voice that tries to speak into my marriage. I say that my wife is beautiful, that my husband is worthy, that I'm going to love him, I'm going to honor him, I'm going to keep the vows that I made. I'm going to love her and honor her, keep the vows that I made. Lord, we invite you to be the third party, indeed the first party of this three-part relationship because a three-fold cord is not easily broken. So be a part of my marriage. I want to have the best marriage I've ever had in 2020. Anybody else? Into my businesses, Lord. I want to. I, I want to be able to wonder when the church has a need, or when anybody has a need, to be the one to write the check. Not so I can take a picture and get glory, but so I can give you glory and say, "No, I simply sowed seed, and God has blessed my business. He's blessed my finances. Here's that check. M I L L I O N. Here it is, right here. This, the atmosphere of expectation. Closing the door. I'm going to pour oil into. And to the expectation for the worship that comes from this house. For songs to be written. For songs from this area, indigenous to this area, to be written and go across the world. But the blessing comes back upon this area. I'm going to pour oil into states will become synonymous with the glory. It's going to happen one person at a time. It's going to happen as we as individuals come together as community to put away all our divisions. Come together in unity and watch what will happen. If God can do it 122,000 years ago, what in the world would he do with not just the down payment but the full payout? I pour oil into that.
What are you going to pour oil into today? The atmosphere of expectation is the seedbed for the miraculous. 2020 can be full of the greatest, it can be the greatest year of your life, or it can be absolutely just another year, just another number, just another marker towards the infinite death or the, or the end. You get to choose that. I hear the Lord saying today, Behold, I set before you both life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. You want to choose death and cursing? You can have it all day long. You want to choose life and blessing and abundance? You can also have that. You're so powerful that no matter what you expect, you'll give birth to. If you expect nothing, you'll give birth to nothing. But if you expect something big, you'll give birth to something big. If you, ex if you expect to be cursed and, and, and downtrodden in 2020, guess what? You're going to be cursed and downtrodden in 2020. But if you expect to be blessed and not the tail but the head and not beneath but above, then in 2020, you'll be above. You'll be the head. You'll be blessed. You are so powerful that whether you believe you can or you can't, in both instances, as Henry Ford said, you're right. It's amazing that God made us just like him. You're not just a creation, you're also creators. And you frame your world with your words in the same way that God framed our world with his word. So, 2020, what do you expect? I, I think it'd be important. You don't have to take my word for it. If I were you, I'd go home and write down. Just get some cups like this and write on them what you believe it is. Just for a visual, just to remind yourself and put them somewhere where you'll see them. Financial breakthrough on one cup. And pour oil in it. How do you pour oil in it? You, get, you close the door. I've already told you. You close the door before the Lord. Lord, I just declare right now. I believe that all the, all the silver is yours, all the gold is yours. You said that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And my daddy used to say, he don't just own the cattle, he also owns the hills. If everything that's ever been is yours, then I declare whatever portion is supposed to fall to me, let it come to me in 2020. And don't just give me money, give me wisdom so that I know how to create wealth. The Bible says that he gives us the power to get wealth. The power to attain wealth. The way that power, you know what that power is? The power is wisdom. A lot of us, if we begging God for a million dollars, if you got it, he'd destroy you. And so God mercifully doesn't give it to you. So Father, don't just give me money, but give me wisdom on how to, how to use that money. Sign up for a course. Jeremy can teach a course. He's taught it before. Financial Peace University. Do whatever it takes. Learn some things. It wouldn't hurt you to learn some stuff. I know a, lot, a whole lot of people in here know everything, but a few of us still need to learn. Yeah. Including yours truly. I need to learn. You want to see your marriage turned around? You, or you just want to see it better than it is. Maybe it's already great, but you want it to be even greater? Pour oil into it. Have flowers waiting when she gets home. Have dinner cooked for him when he gets home. I heard... Another thing, another gem from Sidney Smith was men need to be honored and women need to be cherished. It's the, it's the desire of every man to be honored and it's the desire of every woman's heart to be cherished. So wives, honor your husbands. They don't own you. It's not what I'm saying. My God, crazy leftist lib uh, liberal feminism is about destroyed what a woman really should be. You can't even be a man anymore. It's, you know, 
what what is the uh, what's the word they use? Something masculine? Just they just 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 stupid. Just absolutely stupid. There's nothing wrong with being mad. You know what one masculine thing is? Clean up for your wife and do the dishes for her. You know what a great feminine thing would, would be to do? Dress up for your husband. You know, every once in a while, maybe. Tell him you love him. Stroke his ego. Honor him. If he sets, if he sets an order of a house, obey that order. Husband, if your wife asks you for something, the Bible also says, obey your wives and honor your wives. She's not the lesser part of you. She's not the second in command. She's your equal. You're supposed to walk together. She ain't supposed to walk behind you. She's supposed to walk beside you. Make decisions together. Listen to, what, listen to her when she talks. Pastor, I need to talk to you. My wife's really upset at me. Well, what's going on? There's just really just two things. What is it? The only two things she complains about. What is it? Well, the first one is she says I never listen to her. What's the second? I don't know. I really wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Pay attention when she's speaking. You want to see your children, whether they're 2 or, or 20 or, or 40 or 60? You want to see them blessed? Speak into their lives. Spend time with them. You know the most precious commodity you have in this, in this realm is time. Not money. I, I said last week, I, I, I remember probably three presents that I ever got in my whole life at Christmas. From the time I was born until, you know, until I moved out of my parents' house. But what I would never forget is going down to either Beulah Baptist or up to Cool Springs School or whatever and throwing the football with my daddy, my uncle David, and my brothers and sisters. Or... Playing basketball, David had a mean hook shot. Brandon, apparently Brandon inherited a hook shot from his great uncle David. Left-handed hook shot. I'll never forget those times. That's what I remember about Christmas. Why? Because it doesn't matter the things you got, but who did you spend time with? That's what makes it special. How much would it stink if you lived by yourself and you really want to see a bunch of people on Christmas and everybody just shipped you presents and never so much as spent time to, to give them to you? What really matters is, is our time. And you always give your time to those who value it. A lot of people want my time. A lot of people ask for my time. And there are a lot of people that will never get a moment, a moment along with me. Why? Because my time is valuable. And if I don't feel like you're valuing my time the way that I value it, then I've got no time for you. That sounds mean coming from a pastor if you want to see it that way, but that's not mean. That's called setting things in order. You don't have to be all to everybody all the time. It's okay to shut the door sometimes. You know what mature people do when you tell them, I don't really have time for that right now? Okay, that's okay. Well, when you have time, let me know. What an immature person says, well, he never cared in the first place. That's why I don't go to that place. You know what I say to people like that? Adios. I don't roll over and die when people leave. I learned that lesson a long time ago. I'm not rolling over and die when people leave. Whether they leave my life, leave the church, leave whatever. I love you, but if that's what you need to do, you go do you. That's why I'm going to be back here next Sunday. I'm going to bring a prophetic word. We're going to worship the Lord. And if you come back, I'm going to come hug your neck and tell you that I love you. And if you never come back, God bless you. It's okay. I ain't trying to build my kingdom here. I'm trying to build his. And one of the biggest callings of my life is to help mature the saints. God, we got so much immaturity in the church. It, it runs rampant. And the one thing that I can't stand for because I have way too much prophetic in me is to sit back and, and let a bunch of immaturity, you know. I don't do it in my house. I don't let, I don't, I, I, I've never raised a brat. I don't do it in my home, and I'm certainly not going to do it at the church. 
I just don't. I, I have no tolerance. It's because of Tony Bunton. We, don't have, we have no tolerance for those things. You'll not come to my house and find one of my, and, and if you find one of my children acting out, you can, you can bet your bottom dollar that daddy's going to stand up and deal with it, and I'm going to do it immediately. Just ask David and Jason from yesterday. I have no time for it. I'm not going to have it in the kingdom. All that to say this. What are you going to fill your, oil? What are you gonna fill your uh, jugs with? What are you going to fill your jars with? What are you expecting in 2020? Whose voices are you willing to shut out so you can hear his voice? All right, let's pray. Father, in a decade, you've given me a daughter. I've lost my father. We've transitioned from my dad's building after remodeling it 19 times to the school to here. We've seen people come and go. And yet, in 2019, I can see, look back and say, you've been faithful that you've never left me. You've always been there. Even when I blew things up and messed them up, <laughs> for whatever reason, you were still there, holding my hand, picking me up, dusting me off, and helping me back on my way. I pray that the lessons learned in this past decade will be lessons, Lord, that we don't have to relearn in the, in the coming decade. I pray that in the coming decade we'll look back at this decade and say that I reckon that the sufferings of that time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's about to be revealed. I pray that we go into 2020 with a spirit of expectation, Lord. That we shut off the voices, every single voice of corruption, that we shut it off and not allow and give voice to it whatsoever. That the only voice we give, that we, that we give ear to will be the voice of, of incorruption, of your voice. And Lord, we commit in 2020 and going forward that we will eat anything that comes from your hand, whether it tastes sweet or bitter, because we know it's going to bring us life and health. Lord, I stand up on the stage, okay. I stand up on this stage and I declare a blessing upon everybody in this place. I declare the commanded blessing on everybody under the sound of my voice, Father. For those that would be here and weren't able to, Father, I declare, I declare and command the blessing upon their lives. I pray and declare and believe that 2020 will be full of such miraculous, of such glory, Father, that it would be hard for people to believe at the end of 2020 where we were at the end of 2019. That we would look back, Father, as good as it's been even right now and say, it is amazing how far God has brought us in just a year's time. So, Father, now we commit ourselves to creating an atmosphere of expectation. At, because the atmosphere of expectation is a seedbed for the miraculous. Love you and thank you for all that you've done for us. All that you've done through us. Looking forward to all that we're going to create together in the coming decade. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.